know we have several churches from the upper mountains um, forming worship bands to be playing. So I really want to encourage you to be part of that. Um, definitely going to go along to that. It should be a, a wonderful time to, to sing God's praises in the middle of, of the festival. Conflict res- resolution. As, we, as the service has been going on, I've been thinking, oh, you know, there's been a lot of nice you know, prayer, um, remembering Lil and Eric at this time in the family. I thought, maybe I don't have to preach this. Maybe we could just sort of... But that's often what happens with conflict, isn't it? That instead of dealing with it, we put it off. Conflict resolution. Yet as I have sort of sat there just sitting in the presence of God as Graham rightfully expresses, um, there's a beautiful beatitude, isn't there? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called children of God or they should be sons of God. And quite often, as a message like this is preached, quite often we just have to remember that God is with us, the God who was there with Paul and Philemon and Onesimus, that same God is with us when we have to go through our trials and tribulations with each other. It's good to know that God's with us. So I want to say, blessed are the peacemakers. They should be called sons and daughters of God. As you know, I was a ranger by profession before I was a pastor and I often reflect on why. Why was I a ranger and then a pastor? Um, in the inner city, I could say, yeah, it was good, it was handy to know how to manage wildlife. You know, it was, there were some um, times when it, was, it required that. It's much easier in Blackheath to sort of appreciate the beauty all around, you know, not, just, um, not just in the national parks, but a, a group of people seeking to honour God. You know, when everything's going back, I love to enjoy the view, sit back and enjoy the view. And it's not just these beautiful mountain landscapes, is it? It's the, the view you get when you see a community of people who are just wanting to love God, who are wanting to do his will, practice out their faith in their everyday lives and just have a longing to see him glorified beyond. It's, that's, that's a great view to have, a church that wants to do that. And as I said last week, it unfortunately didn't get taped, but we're going to spend a few weeks looking at some challenging issues. They're they're issues in a sense you could be tempted not to look at and yet they are issues that that sort of help us as working out how to be God's people in the 21st century Blackheath setting. So one of them of course is conflict resolution. How do we deal with with arguments and issues of conflict? And there's one similarity that really surprised me between being a ranger and a pastor and that's as, as you know, I, I spent a lot of that time as a, as a ranger firefighting. And you do often have to in summer and I'm sure down the track here, I'm sure that'll come to great use in the years to come, knowing how to fight fires. But often as you control a, a, a larger fire, fire that's sort of moving you know, the, big, um, the big fires that happen, quite often what happens is you, you, you're called to take care of what are called spot fires. And these are, these are smaller fires that start, you've got an existing fire that might, the wind might just pick up you know, ash, live ash and just deposit it somewhere else and you get these sort of spot fires or lightning strikes. You might get a lightning strike and all of a sudden you have a major one and then you get called to these spot fires and they, they have you rushing around the place 
You know, quite often it's very exciting. You know, quite often we'd get in a chopper and we'd fly off to, you know, in the middle of nowhere and they'd winch you down and you'd run around and you'd, you know, you'd control this fire and then they'd winch you up and you'd go to the next one. <sighs> it was exhausting, you know. You didn't get to that major fire. That's still burning. You're wasting all your energy on these spot fires and they, they keep you preoccupied on the small stuff. But unless you address the larger fire, they're just going to keep on sending out sparks. You know, I often think about conflict in churches like a bit like spot fires. You can think that, that all these little things that happen prevent you from addressing the big things in life, don't you? Well, I'm actually going to say sometimes, because they do take a lot of emotional energy, they take a lot of time and a lot of people sometimes to fix the big conflicts in our churches. And as a leader... It can be tempting to just do that all the time. Fix other people's conflicts. But sometimes this conflict is part of a bigger issue that needs addressing. And sometimes the conflict is good for recognising these things. And, and if I'm always resolving issues, I'm, I'm robbing Christians of, of a real blessing. A real blessing. The, the growth that comes as we learn to deal with conflict in our life, it really is a blessing. You know, I... I Allow people to, to you know, work out, do they need to be a bit firmer, a bit more assertive? Do they need to be less assertive? Do they, they need to be able to hear rather than just talk all the time? You know, they could just ignore the problem or indeed leave and go somewhere else. But like this bigger fire that burns, you know, it'll catch up with them eventually. Sometimes conflict resolution is a good, it's, it's a real blessing to have it in, in, in our church life. And Jesus gave a, a great three-part resolution planned, didn't he? Matthew 18, 15, 17, very straightforward as, as uh, Jenny read it out. I thought it's, it's pretty black and white, isn't it? If someone causes you harm, go and talk to them. If they don't listen, take a couple of other people. If they don't listen, go to the church and, and then kick them out. You know, it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty much black and white. It is, it's black and white. The only problem is as a pastor... Sometimes I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be get called to, to deal with some, someone's conflict. You've got to sort this out, Andy. What they mean is you've got to tell them they're wrong and then you've, if they don't listen to you, you've got to kick them out. The problem is if I always do that, I'd empty a church out unnecessarily because sometimes it's not the person, you know, sometimes it's the person's understanding that they're wrong, the other person's wrong. But sometimes it could be resolved if people could really understand and hear what other people are saying. It seems like it's an unnecessary part of church life. I've got their conflict in Greek is agon. It's agony. Amen, it is, isn't it? It's awful to be in conflict with... It's awful when I'm in conflict with my brothers and sisters. They're horrible feelings. They're just, it's a horrible part of, of church life let alone when I'm seeing brothers and sisters in conflict together. It's agony when it's like that. But like any family, is any, con- is any family saved from conflict 100% of the time? So like any family, we're never going to be completely immune from conflict in a church. We should get along 100% of the time, but conflict is a reality. Of existence. It's not a hopeless case though, it's actually an opportunity for, for amazing growth both personally and as a community. And I was listening to, I think it was 103.2, one of those 60 minute or 60 second 
sound, you know, devotionals. And they were saying that sometimes comfortable is overrated because we're actually, as human beings, wired. If something's wrong, we're wired to want to fix it. And that's one of the great things wired into us is, is with conflict, the resolution is, should be a desire to get beyond that. And, and so it's a desire to sort of want to be part of the solution, not the problem, is built into us as human beings. I think that's a wonderful thing to take into, into um, word here, that, that Jesus sort of wants us to realise that, that there's actually built into us this desire to want to resolve conflict. Jesus knew it wasn't going to be heaven on earth. Jesus knew that within even this, his church body, there would be conflict. In fact, there were a real couple of real doozies in the New Testament, weren't they? And they, I was looking, they always seem to involve Paul. But in Philippians 4.2, you know, I read this out a couple of weeks ago. We can see Euodia and Sidiki, I, I urge you to iron out your differences and make up. God doesn't want his children holding grudges. He's a brave man writing these words. As I say, he was someone himself who seemed to be very driven. And as he was driven, quite often there was a real wake. Think about Acts 15 when the Council of Jerusalem met and they actually had to deal with the issues that Paul was having with other people in the church. And, and just after that, in verses 36 to 41, Paul says to Barnabas, how about we go to all the churches that we've ever gone to? Let's go to them and see how they're going, see how the believers are getting on. Barnabas thought it was a great idea and, and said, how about we take my nephew Mark? And, and Paul, no, 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 no. He, he deserted us last time. And they had this enormous disagreement. And it says in, in verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. So it was such a, a, a conflict that even these two godly men, Paul, you know, the apostle, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, parted ways. It's refreshing, isn't it, to know that such godly men went through awful conflict. The majority of Christians at some point go into conflict, but the promise we hold on to is God can do something with the conflict that we find ourselves in. John 17, 23, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know you sent me. Suggests that God's got to bring us to complete unity sometimes. Unity that doesn't currently exist. That hope that Jesus prayed it for us. That if there's not unity, we can be brought to it. So why preach on it? Why not just follow Matthew 18? It's more complex than that, isn't it? It's just more complex than just going through this issue of, you know, I do this and then this and then this. We know with humans involved, it gets complex. Often it's not this presenting issue, the spot fire. There are other issues that are causing it. It's just a symptom of a greater root problem, this bigger fire. Well, well I know experience will show that no matter what we find ourselves in, God is very good at getting his people through conflict. And not just that. But, you know, as, as people are able to lay their rights down, lay their pain down sometimes and seek to own their part in the battle, the greatest result can happen. Now, the greatest result, as I've got there, when you're given the opportunity to hear what the other person really feels and be heard, and really understand where the other person's coming from. Quite often, you'll find common ground. 
when, you, when that happens. So that's the greatest result. Why doesn't that happen? Why, why don't we find that? If, if, if I'm saying how positive it is, why doesn't that happen? Well, well, humans are involved and often it's personality stuff that really gets in the way. It could be on one extreme, too outwardly aggressive or the other too inwardly passive. Two in your face and, and two too scared to result. And there's examples of both in the Bible. I, I looked at outwardly aggressive people and, and thought, you know, there's wolves, isn't there? Wolves, they're, they're fierce, they're savage, they're cruel, they make a terrifying howling sound. Melissa and I, when we camp in America, um, quite often at night time we, we can hear the howling of not, not wolves but, but packs of coyotes. It's very difficult to get to sleep when you, when you hear coyotes howling at you. It's that noise, you know. And in Matthew 7.15, Jesus talks about wolves in sheep clothing. And he's, he's describing people that they appear okay, they appear innocent, they appear friendly, but turn into savage opponents. And I think this particularly happens when you're in conflict with them. In the Old Testament, Ezekiel 22, verse 27, we hear about the destruction that wolves cause amongst God's people. So these, again, talking about her officials within her. Jerusalem, they're, they're like wolves tearing their prey. They shed blood and kill people to make unjust gain. Fortunately, it never goes that far in our midst, but, but quite often it's this, this sort of determination they have to, to just do whatever it takes to get the upper hand in argument, otherwise nice and calm. They're terrible people to be in conflict with. When, when, when you scratch the surface, they just, they just turn into horrible opponents. The next one, snakes, serpents and vipers. You know, they're feared for their hissing, their rattling, their bite, biting and their stinging. They, they, they leave you alone when they're not provoked. But when you provoke them, they inflict pain and cause inflammation. And Melissa and I, we, we have a lovely snake called Bruce now, but the one before that, Bella, pretty much whenever we picked her up, she'd strike at us and bite us. We left her alone. We just didn't want to touch her in the end. It was like, we're not going there with that snake. She's just a horrible little, little, um, little creature. A horrible thing to touch. They're, they're known, you know, serpents in the Bible, they're, they're known to inject venom into people or groups by poisoning people's minds, poisoning people's reputations, you know, often acting secretly to, to poison a situation. Psalm 140, they make their tongues as sharp as a serpent's. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Is there anything worse than being in conflict when, when another person is really poisoning your good name? The third group, hornets and vipers. A hornet's Bees, you know, large wasps with biting mouths and a sting. You know, they're, they're designed to hurt. In, in a swarm, their stings can kill humans. Just one hornet can mobilise a whole swarm to go and attack somebody. And in the Bible, quite often a hornet's used in that way is able to mobilise the army of God to go in and, and just attack a nation and destroy it. They swarm a person. A hornet swarms a person causing havoc with the sting. So you're not just fighting with one person, but a, but, but a whole group of people are mobilised to, to sort of come against you. How on earth can you win against such a powerful group? 
let alone, you know, one person you're in conflict, a whole group of people. Especially if you're innocent. Especially if, if these people are just, you know, they're wrong, but they're just so, there's so many of them against you. Not nice people to be in conflict with. Not situations we run to, are they? Well, the other extreme, you know, the, the inwardly passive people. You know, they don't stand a chance. Don't stand a chance against those people I was talking about. The aggressive people. Of course they're going to need the help of others to approach other people. You know, they'll call others to intervene. Yet often it would be great if they got a little bit more able to express their feelings, be given a safe environment to be able to talk about what they're really going through, work through their stuff, you know, to extend that imagery of the animal, what does an inwardly passive person look like? An ostrich who, who tries to avoid conflict, puts their head in the sand, pretends, no, it's okay, everything's okay, when it's truly not. Like a, a turtle that, that withdraws into its shell when threatened. Or a chameleon, you know, want to change if there's conflict, I'll change, I'll change to be the person you want me to be in order to fit in with everyone else. When it comes to conflict, you can't actually be able to expect resolution if, if you've got outwardly aggressive people seeking to overpower the situation. Okay, these people might get the result they want, but it's not the result everybody needs, is it? And on the other, other hand, inwardly passive people may have given in too easily. And maybe there might be an issue that needs addressing. You might have avoided confrontation, but there's maybe your needs haven't been met and your needs are just as important as everyone's. You haven't been heard, your opinion hasn't been valued. So obviously the answer lies somewhere between where the outwardly aggressive person can hear and the inwardly passive person is able to learn to be a little bit more assertive. We, we, okay, so that's, that's, that's sort of in a sense the optimal solution. So we're getting there. We're sort of saying, okay, Jesus, you're right, but there are these issues. So as we sort of look at possible ways and and possible motivations to to resolve conflict, I just think the spiritual truth that sits above it all is that each of us have been in conflict with God. Terrible conflict as, as our sinful lives just had us you know, separated from God, yet he was the one who decided to resolve that by coming as his son, sacrificing his own son so we could have a right relationship with God. So, so that's the motivation, I think, for why we should want to resolve conflict because God has resolved conflict with us. I think one of the, the great verses in the Bible, 1 John 4.19, you know, we love because he first loved us. Our motivation to want to resolve conflict, our motivation to want to go forward is that God first was motivated to come and resolve the conflict with us. I want to look at that letter to Philemon now. You know, the Apostle Paul became, he became a great reconciler. Eventually, he writes even that letter today that we saw from Philemon. He writes favourably of Mark. Actually, as, as time went on, Mark became a fellow worker. He was a co-worker with Paul. I think that's just beautiful that, that he was able to work that out. And, and with Barnabas, he speaks more favourably of later on. 
So why don't we have a look at the, the letter to Philemon. Philemon was converted as Paul moved around um, the Mediterranean. He, he went to the town of Colossae and Philemon was one of the converts. He started a church there. Now, he was really impacted and, and, and was used by God to, to, to plant a church in Colossae. Onesimus was Philemon's slave. Onesimus ran away from Philemon and it appears from, if you're reading the letter, it appears that stuff was taken. And Paul says, I'll pay back anything. So, so basically it looks like Philemon um, had Onesimus as a slave. He ran away and took stuff with him. But Onesimus ended up in Rome where Paul was in prison. And somehow or other, perhaps Onesimus was in prison too, met Paul and is now a believer. Funny how God works. And as a result, he's not just a slave anymore. He's Philemon's brother in Christ forever. Paul writes to Philemon. He's desperate that they reconcile, resolve their conflict. And and I think, just want to bring up seven great reasons why we should resolve the conflict based in this letter from Philemon. And I want to say this is hopefully being recorded. Yep. So hopefully, if it's a bit too much, you'll be able to sort of go and, and, and hear it a bit later. But the first one, experience. Sometimes remaining in conflict is unnecessary. Philemon 8, 9. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ. And last week we spent time at the communion table just really wanting to say let's have the same attitude at Christ Jesus, the basis of love. Let everything we do be based on love. I love Paul's expression here, I'm an old man. You know, as we get older, I think we learn to choose our battles, don't we? I think sometimes we just work out it's too much energy it's too hard being resentful or angry with someone. And you also see as time goes on the benefits that come as resolution comes into conflict. You do actually see that it's possible and you do actually see there's great stuff that can come from it. But I think as an old man, just really struck me, this is in our office and I was reading this this morning as I was coming um, down to the chapel. I just think this is just... As you get older, priorities change. They certainly seem to change for me. You know, you're not so driven. You know, Lord, as I grow older, I think I want to be known as thoughtful rather than gifted. Loving versus quick or bright. Gentle over being powerful. A listener more than a great communicator. Available rather than a hard worker. Sacrificial instead of successful. Reliable, not famous. Content more than driven. Self-controlled rather than exciting. Generous instead of rich. Compassionate more than competent. I just hear those words and I think as, as we get older, those things seem to get more important. It's more important to us than just success. It's just seeing people getting on. I think that's what's driving Paul here. He just thinks, you know, life's too short to be in conflict. Well, the second one is just a reminder that God's in this. And thank you, Graham. God is with us this morning. God is always with us. 
Philippians 10 to 11, I, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who has become my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Now he uses the word useless. Onesimus has committed a crime. He's got every reason to be punished. He's useless to Philemon. But now, as I say, Onesimus is his brother in Christ and deserves love. Different rules apply now that Onesimus has become his brother. And Paul is writing saying, you guys, I really feel like you need to to reconcile. And he's told he's useful to you. Onesimus means useful. So now Onesimus is living up to his name. And I was saying to Jenny how excited I got about this sermon because Onesimus was going to do something quite incredible. Onesimus was from Colossae. Paul had a letter that he wanted delivered to the churches in Colossae and the churches in Ephesus. So Onesimus was going to be the one to go and deliver what we know as the book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians. So imagine if he went to Colossae, imagine if they didn't want to see him. We wouldn't have the book of Colossians. So it seems to me that, that, that Philemon took Paul's letter, this letter that he writes before, and took it to heart. You know, this, this guy is useful. So I want to say thank you, Philemon, for resolving that conflict. That God is in this. And I think that's just something we need to hold on to, too. The same God that was with them is with us. That actually, even as hard as it is, God is in it and can do amazing things with our obedience and courage to want to resolve. Because he's the same God that took Philemon's obedience and courage and gave us. Can you imagine the Bible without Colossians and Ephesians? I know this church loves Ephesians. Can you imagine what it must have been like not to get those letters because someone wouldn't resolve conflict? Well, that same God that says to us, you know, live up to your name. And, and if there's conflict, if God's in it, then, then have the courage and obedience. Well, and, the, and of course, as we do that, it's the benefits that come. Resolution has its advantages. I'm sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me. Sounds like he's a very useful guy. Paul would love to keep him so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. Anesimus seems like he's God's answer to prayer for Paul. And he goes, oh, this, this guy's just so useful to me. And now he's become useful to both you and me, he says beforehand. He holds Onesimus in such high regard, but he's a slave, he's a robber. But the Lord got him. And because the Lord got him and transformed him, he's become everything that he can be. He's useful now. He's, he's someone that he, Paul would like to keep. But Paul thinks, when I think about Colossae, this man would be so useful back there that I'm sending him. You, know, you, you resolve this conflict and it's going to have benefits to you at Philemon. He might be the answer to prayer that you've been praying. You know, it may not be the way that you thought it would be answered. But you know, he's, he's, there's a benefit for reconciling. Well, I want to say too, in the midst of all this, you know, God's in it. If God's in it and there's benefits, we really need to be prayerful about it. We can't force people to reconcile in a way. Philemon 14, I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favour you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. It's not manipulation. He's not sort of saying, you know, the old reverse psychology. 
But it's actually, you know, Paul's, Paul has wisdom. He's, it's, it's wise words. He, he wants Philemon to want to reconcile. He wants that. But he knows that sometimes in life, I'm sure we know it too, when we're confronted with a situation where we think, man, that was so, I don't want to go there. I'm so happy just to go on with life. Let them go on with their life. I'm happy to go on with my life, you know. Sometimes we, we just don't want to go forward and that's why we need time. We need the ability just to be able to pray and think, God, is this your will? I don't feel like I can do it. But if you make a way, then I will do it. There's this prayerfulness that needs to be put in the mix. Sometimes we, we need to put a bit of time between the resolution, you know, the, 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 the sort of sense of, of, of wanting to reconcile and actually being part of the process. Sometimes we have to actually pray about it and really feel, yes, okay, we can do this. I, I realise, God, it's going to be hard, but you're with me, I can do it. So the next thing is we have to have an optimism Expect the best. This isn't easy, is it? Especially when you have to confront someone you've been in conflict with. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. And I think Paul's drawing from his own experience here. As I think about Paul, the way he was in conflict with the first Christians, and yet they indeed became dear brothers and sisters to him. Those who were once in incredible conflict with Paul became dear brothers. You know, Philemon has been changed because of his relationship with Christ. We've been changed because of our relationship with Christ. Can't we expect that God can do something else in someone's life, that they could become more than they were before? They can become dear brothers and sisters. Paul wants... Philemon, to experience that with Onesimus. It is something quite special when we've had someone that's, that's just been raw and, and you know, the Lord gets them and they, they're just so different. You know, there's, there's, some, there's nothing better than that. It's going to be better than it was before. Whatever a relationship looked like before, it's going to be better than that. Have optimism with God in it. Expect the best. The next one, faith. Remember the sovereign hand of God. He's very dear to me. He's very dear to me that you once loved and trusted, but who hurt you. But even dearer... No, that doesn't make sense. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So how would you react if someone that you were in conflict with, you discovered that God has been working in their life. Someone who hurt you badly. Well, Paul's asking Philemon to imagine what could be. What could be? He's even dearer to you. Not just this slave who robbed me, but, but he is going to be even dearer to you than ever before. To see beyond the pain of the past, the, the, the raw emotions that, that are felt, and to just really think, resolve this, get through this and God will do something even better than before. Have the faith that the sovereign hand of God is in this. And the encouragement, of course, you can do it. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. I sat on this for a while and I thought, I can only imagine how, how fruitful as Philemon thought in the past, wow, I took Paul's advice in the past 
and look how fruitful he is. I've got this church full of people. They, they, they know I love them. They, they love me. It's, we see the hand of God in it. Now, Paul's advice in the past has been really wise. And I certainly think in my life, when I think about the wise Pauls I've allowed to speak into my life, to say, you know what? You can do this, Andy. This is, this is new. It's scary. But I know you've got it in you. And as I've followed their advice, which in a sense sometimes we, I think that's just like so new. That's just so, that's going to be such a hard road to go down. But I see the fruit. And I think that's the same sort of thing in this situation that it's stressful, it is a hard situation to be in. The easier road is ignoring sometimes. It seems to ignore someone or to just get on with your life is the easiest way. But, you know, Paul believes. Follow me, you're up to this challenge. You could just get on with your life, but I reckon you can do it. I reckon you'll be obedient. You'll do even more than I ask. He even tells Philemon, doesn't he, that if money's the issue, that's even taken care of. No excuses, you know. If, if it's God's time, you can do it. I love Paul's words in verse 20. Refresh my heart in Christ. And again, as I say, being a pastor of a church, of, of several churches, I understand the complexities of the relationships we get into, the dynamics, all these situations, interactions, the passion, all of that, over many decades sometimes, over many years these things sit there. But instead of holding on to the past, Paul was humble enough with Mark, wasn't he, to say, you know what, let's, let's resolve our differences, Mark. And Mark becomes his fellow worker. He wants the same for failing. Refresh my heart. It is hard, but it's so beautiful when the people of God do the hard things. They just think, you know what, yeah, I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to just be willing to resolve any conflict. Nothing so refreshing as seeing when that actually happens. Because I know in my life what a difference that's made. So just in the issue of conflict, no matter how anxious you may feel about it, if God's in it, if it's, if it's God leading the process, you can do it. Trust him. It's risky being so humble, it's, it's risky being so vulnerable and submissive and optimistic and faithful to say, you know what, I can see beyond where we are at the moment. But like this picture in a fire, well you know this story don't we, that, that when a fire goes through a place, quite often that's the best result so that a new life can come out of it. Don't let past hurts prevent you hearing powerfully from God. I think about that book of Colossians. Philemon, there's something great coming. Don't miss out. There's a book of Colossians coming. Don't miss out. And God would say to us, you know, don't miss out on the good thing that God wants to do if it's his timing. Don't let past hurts, don't let things that have happened, you know, things that have happened that you just think you can't get past, don't let that prevent God from working in the future. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to ask Graham to come up. I, I, I'm sure that over many, many years as a pastor too, Graham has, has seen the hand of God in conflict. I'd love Graham also to sort of lead us in a, a time of prayer about that. But let me just pray for us. You said, Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God.
Lord, I think about Blackheath, I think about Australia. There's probably not too many people um, thinking with conflict, thinking with situations they've been in, there's any um, goodness that can come out of any any hope that can come out of it. But you are God. And I pray, Lord, um, where we, as again Graham has said, you know, we're just open to your spirit working in our lives as we've sung today. Lord, transform us, change us from the inside out. Lord, I, I pray you'd give us your peace. You are the ultimate peacemaker, Lord Jesus. You would give us the peace where there is conflict in our life, that, that um, if it's your will, if it's your desires, that we resolve it. But it's not just to resolve it, Lord. It's to take us to an even better place than, than we were. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.